for allowing me to host this show. I'd also like to thank the creator for allowing me to be. You can contact this show by dialing 347-989-0180. Please press the number one to speak. Again, you can contact the show by dialing 347-989-0180. Please press the number one to speak. You can reach us on the internet at www.blogtalkradio.com backslash Queen Mother For Real, the number four. And listen to the show live. You can also contact us on Facebook at Provocative Thought PT Community Organization. Tonight's topic, Real Super Predators. What is a super predator? Hillary Clinton once referred to today's street gangs as called connection to drug cartels. To quote, they are often the kinds of kids that are called super predators. No conscience, no empathy. We can talk about why they ended up that way, but first, we have to bring them to heal. Well, they may be predators. Some may have no conscience and some may act without apparent empathy. But to be truthful, they hardly have a monopoly on ruthlessness, power, and control. Some might say they are the aftermath or symptom of a society infected by, oppressed by, and controlled by the real super predators. So what is a real super predator? To quote OHG, so you think you're an animal, but you're about to meet. What did Hillary Clinton say about super predators? The offensive remark was made decades ago. So this is not a, a show about Hillary Clinton per se. But just to piggy bank on the idea that these kids, as she calls them, you, uh, can be identified as super predators. So... You know, think about, you know, in our own mind, what you consider as a super predator. If you have predators, then you have super predators, so, you know. So the inflammatory comment came in the aftermath of the passage of the 1994 crime bill, which was backed strongly by the Clinton administration two years later at a New Hampshire event in 1996. Clinton offered up one of the most criticized sound bites of her entire career in the public eye, casually referring to super predators and the need to bring them to heal. Now, bring something to heal. I used to hear that term when you talk about dogs. So um, this is very interesting here because uh, by the time Anybody, anybody familiar with the drug game, by the time it hits the streets, that's the end of the line. That's People are spoon-feeding addicts uh, drugs or spoon-feeding people who spoon-feed uh, people who use drugs drugs, addicts, and we start using So, you know, that's kind of like the end of the line. Like, you know, so what exactly are they, you know, is she talking about, you know, is it the killing? So she says, so just as in previous um, generations, 
we had an organized effort against the mob, which still exists, people on. They are often connected to big drug cartels. They are not just gangs of kids anymore. They are often the kind of kids that are called super predators. No conscience, no empathy. We said that, right? So, so first, being in a political arena, Hillary Clinton should know what a super predator is. Is she scapegoating the perils of the impoverished African-American, Latino, and, you know, ethnic groups, all the ethnic communities, thus diverting the attention from the real super predators? Is she trying to get votes in the minority community? What's happening there? You know, anyone can break the law. We know that. But super predators, in my idea of a super predator, is a person who can create laws that establish, establish, perpetuate, and maintain ideas that improve their quality of life, their social, political, economic, and overall well-being, while debasing the quality of life of others, ethnic group, cultures, civilization, etc. Now, that's super stuff right there. Because if you can do that, too, I mean, you can uh, have that kind of impact on ethnic groups, cultures, and influence cultures and civilizations, then you have some super power. So, we don't go to the definition of the word super. Super means of high grade or quality, very large or powerful, exhibiting the characteristics of this type to an extreme or excessive degree. That's super. So it's extreme. We ain't talking about better than a guy who stalked a person during the night, beat him up, robbed him, and, you know, that guy, that, that's a predator. He's a predator. But he's not a super predator. So um, predator is an animal that lives by killing and eating other animals, animal that preys on other animals, or a person who looks for other people in order to use, control, or harm them in some way. So, therefore, we come to a, a conclusion that a super predator is a person, person, or interest group who exhibit characteristics of power to an extreme or excessive degree who looks for people in order to use control, or harm them in some way. A person who has the ability to prey on other animals, living things, people, ethnic groups, religious groups, cultures, civilizations, countries, and the planet itself, etc. That's the super Street gangs connected to drug cartels are the, a residue of and a response to the impact super predators have on the economic of a community, ethnic group, culture, subculture, and individual. They are actually bottom feeders in the big scheme of things. Predators, yes. Super, no. So, who is a super predator? What does a super predator look like? I'm going to throw around a couple of ideas about what a super predator looks like. Dictatorship, a ruler with total power over a country, typically one who has obtained power by force. A person who tells people what to do in an autocratic uh, manner, tending to impose one's 
others in an insistent or arrogant manner, domineering. Like, you know, that's not that guy, like, you know, you better do what I say or else. But that's a dictator. So, um, so dictator determines behavior in a particular sphere. Uh, he's an absolute rule, ruler, a tyrant, an oppressor, and all part. I don't even know how to say that word. He has absolute sovereignty. So, mind you, a farmer exercises absolute sovereignty over his livestock and field. Keep that in mind. A plutocracy ruled by the wealthy, by the controlling class of the wealthy. So some people have money. Uh, some people have some wealth, but some people have are part of the controlling class of the wealthy. That's, that's a difference. But that's just, that, that tells you that there are people who have joined together to take control of society or maybe the earth. Who knows? You know what I'm saying? Not able to get your needs met, being told to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You're probably living in a, in a photography. You do not have to be a scholar to know if you control or influence government or not. How much money have you contributed to an election? How much more money have you earned or received as a result of your juicing? Does anybody know who you are? Does anybody care who you are? Is there a great disparity between the money you have and the wealthy? Does a small percent of the population control over half of the wealth? If one or more of these things are present, sounds like you're in a plutocracy or feudal lord system, if not economic slavery. The feudal lord system, a friend of mine refers to the system, the American system as the uh, capitalist system, as the feudal lord system. The feudal lord system is the dominant form of government in Europe during the dark ages. Under the feudal lord system, all property in the country was owned by the king and a handful of dukes, counts, and earls. So that's like the wealthy. Almost everyone else was landless peasant for whom life was nasty, brutish, and short. So they had a rough life while these other people were sucking the life out of them, like vampires. So when king needed money, Usually to pay for a war, groups of thugs were sent out to shake down the landless peasants. You understand? That's a tax. That's a forced tax on you. Okay? Thugs are there to force it out of you through violence. Keep that in mind. That's the super predator. Does that sound familiar? The filthy rich creating, perpetuating, and maintaining control over the filthy poor, the poor, the people at the top are pressing, suppressing the life out of the people at the bottom, and it is supported by the law, however unjust, a law not created by those who are subjected to the law, but by those who benefit from the law. Does that sound familiar? If it doesn't, ask yourself, how many laws have you created and passed to your benefit? How many laws have the street thugs created and passed for their benefit? What landmass do they control? What natural resources do they control? 
is, as we know, very few of, like I said, they're connected to the drug cartel. So them guys, they don't have a cocaine farm. They don't have land to grow cocaine plants or nothing like that, heroin plants or nothing like that. So turf. Turf is the area perceived as occupied, controlled, and inhabited by a personal group of people, by that group of people, and other people, persons, or groups of people. If they live within a geographical area or not, the land and its resources have already been declared to be under the authority of the city, municipality, state, or federal government. Kid gangs or drug organizations are powerless against government, and they should be. But super predators, they are not. If anything, they are victims of super predators who facilitate, perpetuate, and maintain their impoverished state provide them with a method of improving their quality of life while poisoning and murdering their community. The South African government, of course, we know there's been some changes uh, made down there. But we know we had, in the South Africa, we had apartheid, a policy that governed relations between South Africans, white minority, and non-white majority, and sanctioned Racial segregation and political and economic discrimination against non-white. The implementation of apartheid, often called separate development, since the 1960s was made possible through the Population Registration Act of 1950, which classified all South Africans as either Bantu, all black Africans, colored, those of mixed race, or white. A fourth category, Asian, Indian, and Pakistan, was later added to that. So, South Africa has a large quantity of natural resources, including diamonds, gold, coal, and platinum. So, who do you think benefited from the extraction and uh, development of those resources? And I don't think you got to be a genius to figure that out. Okay, another, another, super, other super predators. Our European neighbors, we have Germany, England, and France. And imperialism, imperialism is when a country takes over new lands or countries and makes them subject to their rules. Sound like a dictator, right? By 1990, the British Empire extended over five continents, and France had control of large areas of Africa. With the rise of industrialism, countries needed new markets. The amount of lands owned by Britain and France increased the rivalry with Germany, who had entered the scramble to acquire colonies late. It only had a small areas in Africa. war began in August 1914. It was triggered by the assassination of the Australian Archduke Franz Ferdinand and his wife (coughs) on June 28, 1914 by Bosnian revolutionaries. This event was, however, simply the trigger that set off declarations of war. The actual cause of the war are more complicated and are still debated by historians today. 
one of the causes, one of the causes that contribute to the war was the alliance. An alliance is an agreement made between two or more countries to give each other help if needed. When alliances alliance is signed, those countries come, become known as allies. Does that sound familiar? A number of allies have been signed by countries. Another, a number of alliances have been signed by countries between the years 1879 and 1914. These were important because they meant that some countries had no option but to declare war if one of their allies did. That's like friends. You mess with my friend, you mess with me. It's like if you belong to a gang, you know, one gang member gets beat up, you mess with the, the other the other 30 of them. So you beat one up, you beat, like you beat 30 guys up. Now you got some people coming after you, whether they know you or not, whether you touch them or not. So World War II began in September 1939 when the British and France declared war on Germany following Germans' invasion of Poland. These are super predators moving and grooving, doing their thing. Although the outbreak of war was triggered by Germans' invasion of Poland, the cause of the war was more complex. So, you know, the German troops marched in Austria, and, uh, you know, the rest is history. You know, you had to um, really make two important alliances during 1936. First, he was called the Rome-Berlin Axis Pact, and allied Hitler's Germany with Mussolini's Italy. It might, I mean, I'm not going to assume people know that, but that's what happened. Um, Italy actually allied with Germany. I don't know what the exactly what the reason was. I don't know if, they, if that was a slick way of saying, hey, you're going to save um, Rome or Italy, you know, by doing this, or, you know, I'm not going to tear it up, but I don't know. So the second was called the anti-allied Germany with Japan. So, you know, during World War II, that's who allied fought with Germany against um, the, you know, the rest of the world. So the German uh, Jews became the target of the systematic repression just days later. The Nazis introduced the so-called Aryan paragraph, the beginning of the ethnic cleansing in Germany. So the war wasn't started because of the Jews, but that was one of the things that occurred during the time of that war. So superpowers have the ability to make big moves. They don't, superpowers are not running from the police on the street. They're not getting locked up, you know, by, uh, you know, Adam 12, you know, they ain't worried about 5 They're not, you know, superpowers, you know, super predators have superpower. That's what I'm trying to get to here. So these street gangs do not have superpower, even though they do murder and get murdered and kill people and, and help people destroy themselves by selling drugs. We know that. Some of them themselves are destroyed through the use of drugs. But super? I don't think so. So. Now we have the United States, and I know a lot of people um, say a lot of good things about the, the U.S. of that, and there are some good things about the U.S. of that. But let's look at the beginning, how they, this country began. So the expansion of European civilization in the Americas 
correlates with the extermination of the indigenous peoples of the Americas, the so-called American Indian. So that is an example of power to an extreme or excessive degree toward other people in order to use, control, or harm them in some way. Because should know, people who live in America should know that these people work coast to coast, north to south in this country until the Europeans came. Now you can hardly find one. So that's the super predator. Then there is the enslavement of the Irish by the English in the Americas and Ireland. Irish, Irish are Europeans. So we're going to give you a little bit about that because this is a, a super predator situation here. This is what super predators do. The Irish slave trade began when 30,000 Irish prisoners were sold as slaves to the New World. The King James one proclamation of 1625 required Irish political prisoners, political prisoners be sent overseas and sold to English settlers in the West Indies. By the mid-1600s, the Irish were the main slaves sold to Antigua and Monasterat. At that time, 70% of the total population of Mount Surat were Irish slaves. Ireland quickly became the biggest source of human livestock for English merchants. The majority of the early slaves to the New World were actually white. From 1641 to 1652, over 500,000 Irish were killed by the English and another 300,000 were sold as slaves. Ireland population fell from about 1,500,000 to 600,000 in one single decade. Families were ripped apart by the British, did not allow Irish dads to take their wives and children with them across the Atlantic. This led to the helpless population and homeless women and children. Britain's solution was to auction off, auction them off as well. So Britain said, hey, these kids are homeless. They got no father, and, and, you know, they're doing bad. They auctioned them off. They sold them. During the 1650s, over 100,000 Irish children between the ages of 10 and 14 were taken from their parents and sold as slaves in the West Indies, Virginia, and in New England. In this decade, 52,000 Irish, mostly women and children, were sold to the Barbados, Virginia, and another 30,000 Irish men and women were also transported and sold to the highest bidder. In 1656, Cromwell, I don't know if you've seen the movie, um, the movie. Now, we have any callers, please call in on the um, show number, and I'll pick you up. Press number one, and I got you. So um, another, uh, the Irish men and women were also transported and sold to the highest bidder in highest bidder in nineteen in sixteen fifty six Cromwell. That it was a movie called um the um what's this guy's name the guy that played Braveheart played a movie he was fighting against Cromwell. Uh, anyway, ordered that two hundred Irish children were taken to Jamaica and sold as slaves to English settlers. The English master quickly began breeding the Irish women for both their own personal pleasure and for greater profit. Children of slaves were themselves slaves, which increased the size of the master's free workforce. That sound familiar? Even if an Irish woman somehow obtained her freedom, her kids would remain slaves. Thus, Irish moms, even though, even with this newfound emancipation, would seldom 
abandon their kids and we remain and we remain they would remain in servitude. So the king has thought of a better way to use these women. In many cases, girls as young as twelve. To increase their market share, the settlers began to breed Irish women and girls with African men to produce slaves with a distinct complexion. These new mulatto slaves bought a higher price than Irish livestock. Likewise, uh, enabled the settlers to save money rather than purchase new African slaves. They said the African slaves cost more than the um, white slaves. So breeding Irish females with African men went on for several decades and was so widespread that in 1681 legislation was passed forbidding the practice of mating Irish slave women to African slave men for the purpose of producing slaves for sale. So that's a super predator. It's still almost at um, 830. I'm going <laughs> to move on a little bit. So, you know, you had that. Then after that, you had the African slave trade, which, you know, we don't know how many Africans just died just on that, on that, on that journey. And uh, after African slave trade, you had uh, so-called reconstruction, emancipation, and segregation and Jim Crow up until right about now. Legally, uh, Africans were, were considered property. Super predators had the ability to, to control and perpetuate uh, uh, a detrimental environment for a person, group of persons, uh, civilizations, cultures, and everything. So that's what a, a super predator can do. That's a super predator. These, these guys are super predators. The Ku Klux Klan came out of this, out of this uh, enslavement of the Irish, bringing them over here to the uh, Americas. And you know, in 1960, they uh, former Confederate officers formed the um, Ku Klux Klan. They are predators. Corporations. Now, some people may not see corporations as predators. But here's what here's what uh, Robert Monk is saying. Robert Monk is the founder of the Lens Governance Advisors, a law firm that advises on corporate governance and the settlement of shareholder litigation. American corporations today are like the great European monarchy of Europe. They have the power to control the rules under which they function, and to direct the allocation of public resources. Sound like the feudal lord system? This is not a prediction of what's to come. This is a simple statement of the present state of affairs. The corporations have affected, effectively captured the United States. Its judiciary its political system, and its national wealth without assuming dominion. Evidence is everywhere. Okay, this is Mr. Robert Monk saying that. He said the, um, he said the smoking gun is the CEO pay pay, which is, um, which is interesting, and they're just getting deep into the uh, politics of business. Compensation is an extension of concentrated power, of enterprise power, concentrated in the chief executive officer and the national power concentrated in corporations. Median U.S. CEO pay 
with 2010 was up 35% in the midst of a lingering recession, while CEO pay over the last decade has doubled as a percentage of pre-tax corporate income. Yes, there has been no justification for current levels of CEO pay based on economic value added. So they're saying, so what's going on here? There's no economic value added, but these guys are still able to get raises. What's that all about? So the financial power of an American corporation now controls every legislative, executive, and ultimately the judiciary. You know what that means? That means I can pass a law to do what I want to do. It sound familiar? I have the the, uh, the executive, that's the president, right, in my corner, in my pocket, or whatever it is. And if, if you manage to take me to court, I'm gonna beat it because I got the, I got I got everybody in my pocket. Everybody's on my side. They're gonna find a way to make it happen for me. That's a super predator. With this January 10th um, decision in the Citizens United case, the Supreme Court removed all legal restraint on the extent of corporate financial involvement in politics. I'm going to say that one more time. With its January 2010 decision in the Citizens United case, the Supreme Court removed all legal restraint on the extent financial involvement in politics, a grotesque decision that can have only one effect, maximizing corporate, not national, value. Today's CEOs have been granted the power to direct political payment and organize tax programs to achieve objectives entirely in their own self-interest, and they have been quick to use it. More than $300 million was invested by corporations in the 2008 presidential election. You know, and I always say, if, um, you know, not to say anything bad about Obama, but you got, people need to remember that the president of the United States is the president of the United States. He's not the president of uh, poor whites, poor blacks, blacks. Uh, say we had a Latino president or we had a female president. She's not the president of women. She's the president of the United States, and so the game is played, according to this information, a certain way. So then that's the way it's going to be played, you know, or else maybe uh, things happen. People don't play ball, you know, it seems like anything. I don't know. So, ordered lobbying expenditures have risen annually to $3.5 billion in 2010. That's guys jockeying for the corporations, which are legislators. That's guys saying, hey, I need this, I need this, I need that. He go, he go, give me this, make this happen. That's those guys. Is there anybody up there trying to make it happen for uh, the, the common man here? Maybe that's why the middle class is, you know, disappearing because, you either rich or you're poor, and maybe that's contributing to the uh, detriment 
of the middle class. Remind, remind, I want to remind all callers to please press number one if you want to speak. And I got you. Okay, so half of the senators and 40%, 42% of House members who, listen to this. This is really crazy. Half of the senators and 42% of House members who left Congress between 1998 and 2004 became lobbyists, as did 310 former appointees of George W. Bush and 283 of Bill Clinton. Can't win. That's your, that's a lot of folks. This has placed the most uh, powerful CEOs above the reach of the law and beyond its effective enforcement. So that's the super predator. <clears throat> because uh, corporations get away with a lot of things. And a lot of people uh, suffer at the hands. We have a caller. Caller on 6144. Hello, caller. Welcome to Provocative Thought. Hey, how you doing? All right, how you Kenny doing? Jones. Kenny Jones. Yeah, host of Black Urban America. How you feeling? All right, my brother. What's going on? Oh, not much. I, I like the topic, and, and I agree with a lot of, of uh, factors that, uh, that you highlighted uh, this evening. Um, I'd just like to maybe add that is also the system that create uh, uh, the the super predators. Super predators are the ones that create these systems that may unlevel the playing field and and create uh, consequences uh, for anyone or any group that may uh, challenge their their policies and and also the policy makers, but that's on the political side. But let's look at what they're able to, um, what they're what they're able to do psychologically uh, over generational uh, 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 time uh, using media, uh, using. Uh, People to really uh, uh, create uh, the climate that we might be living in now, or was living in, or will be living in. Um, they're, uh, they're able to produce subliminal messages. Uh, what we eat, what you always cover, what you always cover, what we eat, how we dress, what you always cover, also. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> so so it's like it's it's like a a system that creates isms um, for for what you're describing, right? So you know, one thing you know that I mentioned. So why would Hillary Clinton, who clearly knows who the super predators are, why would she? How could she relate to some guys running around on the street, spoon feeding drugs to somebody, shooting each other in the head as super predators? Well, you gotta look. You gotta look at. You gotta look at. You got. We were in the middle of a chemical warfare when this bill came out. 
if you look back at the time, a lot of black mayors supported this bill. A lot of black mayors supported Bill Clinton's uh, uh, signing. Three strikes bill, right? Huh? Three strikes, right? Yes. A lot of black men, because you got to remember, this was like the early 90s, and this was just like at the height, maybe maybe the beginning of the downfall of the chemical warfare, that Ronald Reagan, and Ronald Reagan started it. And Ali North. <laughs> and yes. That's right. And Bill Clinton finished it. And you know what? And they were from different parties. That's how I'm, you know, so to give you something, a little something to uh, think about, man. But, uh, yes, yes, that's super predatorial. That right there, and you have to remember that chemical warfare destroyed a lot of communities. They'll probably never come back. We lost... I mean, a lot of African Americans lost a lot of community and geographical areas through the community. Now we spread all over the place, living among, I guess, these uh, gated or uh, uh, diverse communities, where 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 our community once was rich with culture, but the chemical warfare, man, really. It was nothing what they did in the late 60s with the uh, uh, police action. It destroyed a lot of families, too, generational. So uh, that that's, that's super predatorial. You know, uh, the slave trade. <laughs> that's super, like you said, the slave trade. You know, uh, 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 one ability to take over another. Colonialism That's super predatorial Who's always part of Look at England England history is full of Colonial conquests What what the the, the Queen's Empire What was called the Queen's Empire Um, Or something uh, I forgot what they called They they had some in the Caribbean Some in China Some country in China The British Empire yeah. Right. And so that's I mean, super predatory. Right. Huh? So that's super predatory. But I mean, yeah. with that in mind, how could you relate to these guys on the street being super predators? I don't get that. I mean, uh, 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 you know, with the being super predatory for what you said, you have you have to have some type of power. Right. If they had the power, they wouldn't be going to jail. All the time. That's right. Um, they went me yelling five <laughs> vote. <laughs> Hold on, yeah. Kenny. We have another yeah. call. Stay on, Kenny. Yeah. Stay on, man. Hello, Carl. Welcome to Provocative Thought. Hello, Carl. Kenny, how you doing? This is Q. Hey, what's What's up, Q? All right. Well, the reason why they hey, um use that word, the reason why they use that word, that was the rhetoric that was used to get everybody behind it. Everybody was hyped because of all the shootings and everything like that, all the, the violent crime, and that was that answer. And everybody went along with it because everybody was <laughs> angry and afraid because of all that violent crime. So that's what happened. So in hindsight, 
you know, you know how they say that is. Yeah. You know, if everybody's vision gets better in hindsight, you know, 20 years later, and then they start seeing all the faults with it, you know, and, and plus, you know, everybody didn't use it the way it was intended to be used. A lot of it got abused, right. and a lot of people got, um... You're right, Q. You know, a lot of it got abused. You know what I mean? They use it um in a different way than it was intended. Right. Yeah, I heard a dude got, um... He got his he got his third strike on stealing a cookie, something some cookies or something. Get, yeah, they get a how that third strike. Right. Yeah, that don't make sense. So that was an abuse of of everything. But they they use rhetoric all the time to sell whatever they're trying to get past. That's part of what they do. Yeah. But something you were saying did. earlier about what you were saying earlier about the middle class and everything like that is uh. Right. A couple of reasons why we don't have the middle class, and um, I think two of them is that, um, like you were saying, the um, what you call the super predators, again, uh, they're changing the rules, so they they make it uh, difficult for the champion of the middle class to the champion for the middle class, such as the union, you know. Right. So now you don't have to join the union in order for the union to represent you. You know, it's it's a certain type of classification you can have, and if you got a union on your job, they still got to represent you. So why are you going to join the union and give your dues to the union if you still get representation? You know what I mean? So that's going to de- that's going to decrease the enrollment in the union, so the union gets weaker because they don't have the support of the workers that they need to have. You know what I mean? And then the other thing that that's kind of that's kind of um, hurting the middle class in certain instances is automation. So instead of me having a thousand people who could help to represent the union, and you know the working class now only got two hundred people. That's eight hundred people I don't need to have anymore, and you know so that's less people you're going to have to, to pay to. to you know, that tax base is gone, that middle class tax base is gone because automation. That's just yeah. two of the things that kind of gets rid of the middle class. Hey, you know, <laughs> there's something that, that you brought up the union. Guess who was the first president to bust up the union? Ronald Reagan? Yeah. yeah. The air controllers, the air, tra- air traffic controllers. So one has to. Is, well, uh, one has to ask: Were uh, President Reagan a super predator? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Walk there, busting yeah. up the unions. <laughs> he, he wasn't was acting. He wasn't yeah. acting that. Yeah, he wasn't acting. He wasn't. He wasn't pretending to be uh, a super predator. Yeah, he it was one. Yeah, right. no act. Right. Yeah. So that's evil genius. <laughs> Trying to get rid of the unions, pay people. I want to force people to pay, give people a decent wage. Is that something? Right. That's right. That's right. So is that where they headed at? That's where they headed at. We're gonna, we're gonna enslave these people. We're gonna send them back 20, 30, 40 years in terms of, uh, um, economics. Right. And they do it so slick. They do it just like you said about um that word super predator. They got you thinking that you need to vote this particular way for this thing. 
because of these super predators. You know, they do the same thing with unions and stuff like that. They vilify them, they, they make them look like bad, like they're bad for the um the common people, the workers and everything like that. And then they say, they use language in there like, you know, to, to make you feel as though, um, what am I saying? Like the union isn't necessarily, you know, looking after your best interest. You know what I mean? And they write out these, these long, intricate laws and everything like that to kind of um, to hurt the unions. And that's what happened out there in Wisconsin. Those people thought they was voting for something that was better for them. But really, it was, it was, it was hurting their, their union and their, their ability to, to help them. And then when they started losing jobs and everything like that, you know, when they started losing, um, uh, not just not jobs, but, um, you know, benefits, you know what I mean? You know, their position became weaker. Then it was like, you know, they was up in the uproar, but they voted for that because they, they got tricked by the language. And that's, right. that's one of the things they do. Mm. Evil genius. What? Evil genius. But if those people was going to the union meeting, the union was telling them that, right. you know, what the language really meant. You know what I mean? Right. But a lot of people, you know, a lot of people wasn't going, and they, 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 they got hooked up. They got mm. hooked up. So that's another... So that's- um, that's another example of our super predatorial economic system that we have, you know, and, and it's all a basically a part of the uh, uh, capitalistic uh, uh, game, and this is all. This is what we have to play with, and uh, as a people, we have to uh, begin to explore how we are going to have our own economic game and and so we could compete uh nationally as well as globally. But right now we're not even competing on not all of us I and mean, you have a small, small a very minute percentage that's probably participating in that game and 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 to really uh, and, and what is the thing? You know, when I was coming up, they said, "Hey, look, the best way to beat a bully is fight a bully. The way to stop the way to stop a bully is to fight back." And and right. and now I think for generations that we has been surrendering to others in uh, in this uh, in this uh, game called capitalism, and then and then and then. Sometimes when we don't, when we don't participate, and and we fall prey to our social ills, we want to look to blame somebody. Sometimes we gotta look at within ourselves by giving up the uh, ground of uh, right. of the progress that we made over the years. So we as a, we on the community level, basically local on a local level, we have to really. Start uh, thinking about how we're going to make these uh, economic gains collectively, and really change the uh, the playing field for us. So, and and of course, if we do not, if we do not find some type of plan economically, we haven't seen super predatorial 
techniques at what we're about to face in the next 20 years. Right. We've got to do something with these people who have no, who they have no more use for, right? Right, right. These non-productive exactly. people, what do we do with them? Yes. This the unskilled, the skilled labor, you know, they shipped all of these. Let me tell you about the factories. The factories and the unions. My man, Q, you know he brought up the unions again. The fact, the factories and the unions are a big part of our culture. They spearheaded a lot of families and neighborhoods into the middle class, the so-called, the so-called middle class. And and and, but we also again, but at that time we also had businesses. That we just gave up by by sparing into that middle class. We, we we gave up, I guess, businesses or exposures in our community and just left the community. But again, more people left uh, 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 African, uh, predominantly African American communities during the early eighties, mid eighties, during the eighties. Again, well, chemical that 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 crack warfare. You know, which spearheaded to what you were talking about, President Clinton having these policies for uh, for for prison terms, which really had an impact on um, on African American men. But uh, again, if we had our own, if we had if we stopped relying on others and the government. And really relying on our own resources that we have, you know, we we will be better off economically. All you gotta do is look at the Chinese. All you gotta do is look at the. Uh, Kenny, hold on, we got another call, man. Kenny, we got okay. Kenny. Man, cut your show. We got another call. Let me get him on there. Yeah. You make the call. Welcome to Provide Hello. Thought. Hello. Can you hear me, Colton? Yes. Okay, yes. this is Carol. I, I missed the beginning of the show, but since you were talking about Super Predator, I'm having, I haven't done a lot of research, but I did watch that documentary, uh, The 13th, and that term apparently is is used to continue to criminalize the black male so that these people can justify these laws that they want to put in place to keep the black male in bondage. Okay? So... Um, it's not just Clinton. You know, what we found out is that you have a group that gets together that involve uh, corporations along. You could have talked about that. Corporations along with the lawmakers, but the, corp- the corporate leaders say, look, this is the law that we want. They present it to the politician who brings it before um, the floor. Alec. And then it's, it's passed into Alec. law. Alec. Right. Alec. And their whole purpose is to continue to suppress the the black male. Now, I was listening to that other guy just talking, but I don't know what the problem is with black people that we can't unite. We keep on saying that we understand these means of how um, the black family and the black culture and everything is being attacked, but yet we don't do anything to make a difference, you know. And I believe the first place... Huh? Are we perpetuating our own demise? I think we are a part of the problem. Like, I remember having a conversation with one guy, you know, and the whole thing of it is is that, you know, 
we say, you know, the the what is it? The means justify the end. So you'll have a, a person who's uh, not educated or whatever. He doesn't have a legal job, so he resorts to selling drugs. Why? Because he 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 needs money. You know, instead of thinking another kind of way. You understand what I'm saying? Let me go get a type of skill where he would make himself um, marketable out here. You know, he'll go and sell drugs to within his community, you know, destroying his own community. But if he was to just say, no, I'm not going to sell your drugs, you know, I'm not going to sell your drugs, I'm not going to do that, that right there would, would just um, be a major Change right. in the black community, you know. I agree with that. For so decision, we can, but it wouldn't feed his kid. It won't pay his rent, and it won't feed the kid. Find another way. That's what I'm saying. You make him find another way. You understand what I'm saying? They, you know, they I just have to put in the time. They have to put in the time, and they have to, you know. But they don't have to be selling drugs and doing all these other illegal things. That these people put in front of you, they don't have to do that. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. You know, you know, sometimes you know people want try to feed kids. You know, kids can't wait three months or nine months till you finish a program to eat. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's part true. of the reason why people sell drugs. You can make that. You can make make that money in a week. On what you're doing, you just you just holding something for somebody. You made money, you didn't really do nothing. Are you just waiting for somebody to come pick something up? No, so but, you, you know, know like, but, but like the sister said, man. But like, yeah, I understand all that. Yes, I I understand and agree. But she says something that that really struck a nerve. That we we all have to start taking thinking. Take responsibilities for our action. What what do we tell our kids? You know, start taking responsibility for your action. Well, after you got ten seconds, Kenny. Ten seconds. Hey, good show. Have a nice evening. Hey man, check out my show on Tuesday. All right, man. Checking you out, brother. All right, everybody. Thanks for calling in. Everybody is listening. We appreciate it. Godspeed. Thank you, Mother Phil, for allowing me to host the show. Thank you, Brady, for allowing me to be. Thank my parents for having me. Don't forget, each one, each one, each one, each one. Sunshine. Sunshine. 
All my stuff on that one. I get to this part right here. It's all right though. <coughs> I'm going to leave it alone. <coughs> 21.
Population control. I ain't gonna like that when I do that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 